We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, what made you a bad mom this week? I have a story every week on the Colleen and Bradley show on MyTalk 1071, streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything entertainment, Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley trainer. Uh, we convene the Bad Moms Club. Here's how it works I will go first. And I will confess my momming transgressions, and then you follow six five one six four one one zero seven one. You confess what made you a bad mom this week, and then I will reset your mom's status to good, so that you can feel good about going back into your week and uh, bad momming some more. It is the Bad Moms Club. So apparently, I'm a bad mom. Join the club, honey. Bad moms, bad moms. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they cry for you? Bad moms, bad moms. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they cry for you? This is Bad Moms Club on the Colleen and Bradley Show. All moms are good until proven bad through public shaming on the radio, and then they're part of the club. What'd you do this week, Colleen? Oh, man. Okay, can I just Such a bad mom. preface this by saying I am hopeful that my children are not listening right now. So if you are the babysitter and you are hearing my voice right now, gently turn the knob to a different station. Uh-oh. Uh, because uh, 651 if you've been a bad mom this week, you can go after me. Um, this mo- Yesterday, I got home. After work, and my 11-year-old came to me and said, Mom, I had a bloody nose today. And I said, oh, that happens. Yeah, well, what happened? Did it just start bleeding? And, you know, what happened? He said to me, he said, I I hit my nose on a pole. He was going to catch a ball. He caught the ball and then turned around. He was too close to the pole. The pole smacked him in the nose. So, okay, so, like, you had actually a blow to your face, and that's why your nose was bloody. Cool. Okay. He's like, I iced it. It stopped bleeding all as well. Cool. Okay. This morning he wakes up and he comes downstairs. You guys, he has under one eye. Oh. It's a black eye. And the opposite side of where he hit his nose, the same eye that's black, that side of his nose is bruised. Okay. Well, what did you do? And he said to me, it really hurts. And I looked at him and I said, well, it looks straight to me. And I've broken my nose before. Okay. And when I broke my nose, it looked exactly like what. Okay. So you feel like you should have done more. I feel like I don't know what you do in a broken nose situation. There's probably not much you can do. I feel like he might have broken his nose. Yeah, but that's not like you can put it. Can you put something on it? I think that there is a way that they can like. Well, you better be careful that it's not like crooked because then he could have a crooked nose the rest of his life and then he would just be ridiculed and you'd be responsible. 
You're not supposed to make it worse. Oh, wait, sorry. You, I'm sure he's fine. Just but tell what? him to put some, like, glasses on it so it keeps it straight. Maybe some makeup? Yeah. That's what I had to do when I broke my nose. Listen, I'm... No, that that he's a boy. and He'll have, like, total like I street cred. I, was like, I just was like, have a Call good day. Nurse. Here's what I do. Call, Call the, the nurse, nurse line. I know. Yeah. Because she'll say, you're a horrible person. Bring that child in two days ago. Or, you're fine. Just don't touch it. Can I make it worse to tell you this? Right before I realized what was going on with his nose, yeah. I had bought passes for them to go to the trampoline park today. Oh, yeah. No, it's not happening. No, I already bought the passes. They're going. I said, be careful. Oh, is that bad? That's really bad, right? That's oh, bad. I don't know. You tell me you're the mother. How do you feel? Well, I obviously, I'm confessing in Bad Moms Club right now, so not good about it. Okay. I got to do this quick before I get any further. Your mom's status has been returned to good. You get to do that to yourself? Yeah. I don't feel like that's fair. I think you need to have another mother absolve you. Well, maybe Pam will do it. Let's okay. go to Pam. Hi, Pam. What made you a bad mom this week? Uh, in July, I told my four-year-old that if she didn't act right, that I was going to tell Santa. <gasps> hey, that's what that's life, that's man. What it's for. That's what Santa's for, Pam. Pam, I'm, exactly. I'm giving you but this. I got a lecture. Oh. I got a lecture from dad that we should not do that. Oh, well, tell dad to open a book. It's 2018. Those kids need to learn valuable life lessons. It's fine. (laughs) Pam, listen, I I don't even think you need this, but I'm going to give it to you. Your mom's status has been returned to good. I think you should double double down. Like, I think kids should, you know. I think she should tell. You should have a Christmas where your kids don't get any gifts. Well, that's aggressive. (laughs) Yeah, don't listen to me at all. Uh, I just think it's good for kids to see. I was just thinking about this today. Again, it's that whole thing about like, who promised you a happy life? Oh, I've been talking about this lately, too. Your life ain't supposed who to be happy. Who promised you that every single need? I, mean, I shouldn't say ever. Happy, no, but. but whoever, whoever promised you that all of your needs would be met. Yes. That every single yes. darn whim you have yes, is you worthy of following. Yeah, I'm snapping to that. It just, it's like, this is, this is what's wrong with the world today. You're all too comfortable. Yeah. It's good to be a little uncomfortable. With his arms behind his head and his feet up and eating bonbons. All right. No, honestly, you just, kids need to have a little bit of pain in life. It's okay. That's, they need to have, if you don't give them that pain, the world will. And guess who's, Guess who will uh, have a stronger impact on them? The world. The world. Yeah. And do you really want the world to have a greater impact on your child than no. you? No. I didn't think so. So wait, when you say pain, do you mean like a broken nose? Like I mean, that. I think this is a learning lesson for him. You don't want to. Your mom's dad. I feel better now. Pain. Don't break good. your nose. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, don't all right. To me. Thank you, uh, all of you, for participating again, once again, in the Bad Moms Club this week. When we come back, okay. So we just got news that the TV show Sharp Objects. This is a show on HBO based on a novel by Jillian. F- is it Jillian or Gillian Flynn? Either way, Ms. Flynn. Ms. Flynn. Um, That it will not be getting a second season. And that is according to the showrunner who has said, this is it because this is based on a book. And it got me thinking about some of the other TV series that were based on books that went on to seasons further than the book ever made it to. And I started thinking about that. And I thought, even though some of those seasons have been good, 
I still think it's very unfair to the author of the book to do a second season of a show based on a book. Well, you'll tell us why when we come back. You better believe I will after this on My Talk 107.1. So the new TV show on HBO, Sharp Objects, this is based on a novel, uh, and it stars um, that redhead girl. I cannot remember her name. Uh, Amy Adams, sorry. It stars Amy Adams. We got news today that it will not have a season two. Okay. And I'm a little bit relieved about this. Uh, This is the Colleen and Bradley show on MyTalk 1071, streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything Entertainment, Colleen Lindstrom, that's Bradley Trainer. But it made me think about. You know, there have been a lot. This is like sort of the era of miniseries or or seasons of television shows based on movies or based on books, I should say. Um, When you think about Handmaid's Tale and you think about even Orange is the New Black, that was a book first. Um, uh, Big Little Lies. This is like a whole genre of television that we are enjoying now. TV shows that are based on books. And a lot of them have gone on to have second, third and more seasons. And I've always been, I've enjoyed some of those, but I've always been a little bit uncomfortable with it because I just don't, and I've realized now, I just don't think it's fair to the author. Um, you think that the actual turning a book into a series is not fair? No. Okay. The going beyond the book with a series. Oh, okay. So typically what they've done is with a lot of these shows, they've done an entire season that t- takes you on the full arc of the book. Yeah. Right? In the case of, like, Game of Thrones, yeah. there were more books, right? Aren't well, there more actually, books or is it one you know, long book? No, there are several books, and then George R. R. Martin was writing, there's no way he's going to write fast enough, so then they just kind of went off into their own world, mostly with the, um, you know, I'm not a huge Game of Thrones person. I've actually only seen, like, one and a half seasons, so I'm probably getting the story wrong, but generally speaking, he's like given some approval to it, but he did not write all of the story that you see on television. Right, but there comes a time, several seasons in, where the books have now completed, or there aren't any more books for them to cover, Um, but up till then, it stays pretty much along with the book. The same goes for like The Handmaid's Tale. The first season tells the whole trajectory of the first book. And then by the end of that season, as they start the second season, we're in like all uncharted territory. We were, And we were talking a little bit about this in terms of um, there's a series called The Man in the High Castle, which is based on a Philip K. Dick novel that is, you know, very specific in the novel and then gets sort of blown out and goes in all sorts of directions uh, in the series. Right. So I started to think about some of those shows I thought about The Handmaid's Tale, for example, and one of the things that they've been able to do that not every show can do is that they have the author, Margaret Atwood, actually writing for the season. So it still is in her voice. And I think that that sort of pacified that feeling for me that it's unfair to the author. But when I heard this news today about Sharp Objects, and this again, it's like, I think we're in the third episode. It's an HBO series based on the book Sharp Objects by Jillian Flynn, who's the same person who wrote um, Gone Girl. Yeah. So it's that kind of a mystery horror, that horror, but mystery yeah. type show. Sure. Um, I thought, 
I'm actually glad that the showrunner has said, no, we will not do a second season. Here's why I think it's unfair to the author. Because an author's medium, an author, an author's art form, for lack of a better sort of term, is writing. Yep. They are writers. Mm-hmm. They use words to paint pictures. They take characters on a journey from one place to another. Mm-hmm. They do that thoughtfully in their books, which existed to be books. Yep. Um, making them into a movie or making them into a mini series is sort of a compliment to the book, sure. But the book is an art, it's its own art right there. Like yeah. it that's what it is. When when a TV show, when it's successful in television, and then the showrunner says, We're gonna get option for a second season, let's do a second season, suddenly the author doesn't get to use their art form to tell that the characters stories so, so uh, if i'm hearing you correctly it's mo- mostly because you feel like they're the people doing the show are taking it in different directions that maybe the author didn't want and that feels unfair no it's that the author doesn't get the opportunity to tell their oh. story that well, they've already said was complete i mean they if they wanted to keep going with it they would have kept writing what i will characters. say about that though is that they wouldn't have optioned their sh- their book they wouldn't have given away the chance for somebody to turn their book into a show. And I think there are certain authors that are fine, sort of like I've created this story and I'm willing to give it to the world and you guys can do what you want with it. If you felt very protective of that, I think you'd be very careful to not, you know, turn that over to somebody who is going to, I don't know, run with it in directions you're not comfortable with. So I think that the books that actually do get turned over are probably from people who have a little more comfort in putting up with that well you're probably you're probably right like i'm not an author i don't write fiction i don't know if that's a goal of a person who writes to have their their writings turned into a motion picture or into a tv series i just wonder if it's not one of those things where it's like listen in big little lies lynn moriarty who wrote that book she's involved in the second season Mm -hmm. same goes for um margaret atwood with uh, The Handmaid's Tale, Orange is the New Black, uh, Piper, I cannot remember her last name, but she was involved in the creation of the show. But it's still, to me, it's a different voice. It's a different... um, Oh, it's totally different. Yeah, it's a different technique. It's a different voice that you have to use to write for the screen. I think it's a very, you know, it's a privilege, like... I guess what I'm saying is it's very complicated because there are people who then will take the story that uh, the author has given them and feel very, you know, um, careful to sort of represent what, uh, you know, the author intended. But then there are some that are just like, we just want to make a ton of money off of this. I mean, there are all sorts of TV series on um, like a lot of the science fiction ones where they'll buy the series and then they just do whatever they want because what they really want is the characters in the world and then they'll tell the story that they. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. 
And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. They want to tell. Um, but again, that comes down to the author deciding if they're comfortable with that or not. Right. Um, from a audience member perspective, I feel very, uh, what's the word? Um, I feel very, like I own... Like, I'm very connected to these stories. So, right. for example, when Peter Jackson took the story of the Lord of the Rings, I was very, very um, invested in what he did with that. Now, Peter Jackson, they didn't tell the story as it was laid out in the books necessarily. They omitted a lot. They created some stuff. But at the end of the day, Peter Jackson was very much a committed fan of that story and was bent over backwards to make sure he was very true while still being able to do what is a very different thing. Like a movie, you you can't tell a story in a movie the way you can in a book. So you, by nature, have to create something entirely Absolutely. different. So I think, to me, as an audience member, I'm just going to be very... like I get to be very picky. Right. right? I didn't sign anything over. I love the story, and if you're going to ruin it, then I'm going to have all sorts of opinions about it. I will say, of uh, Sharp Objects... I am really on the fence about whether or not I like how they're telling the story. So you read the book? I did read the book. I read it right after I watched Gone Girl. Okay. Um, And I'll tell you, having read the book, I have that perspective. My husband has not read the book, and he's like, what is going on here? Yeah. I am not, yeah, I'm just not invested in the same way. But I'm happy that the showrunner said, you know what, one and done with this one. Um, Because I do think it's a story that it tells the logical arc, and then it's done. Yeah. And I'm and I'm just glad that somebody had the good sense to say we don't need to try to like fit the square peg into the round yeah. hole. Uh, all right. When we come back, we've got D bags for you on the Colleen and Bradley show on My Talk 1071. Celebrities behaving badly. We talk about them on the Colleen and Bradley show on My Talk 1071, yes, streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything entertainment. Uh, there's a local pollen alert out there, everyone. I know, I feel I, it. I've been feeling it too all mm-hmm. week. Why are you feeling it like this? Because you know my sinuses are. You know it's Better. all the bee. Po- Actually, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm just about to get oh. all goopy with you. Bee pollen, man. Hey, look! Don't shoot the messenger, man. <laughs> Does it make you a hippie too? Dude, don't Dude. shoot the messenger. Dead, bro. All right. Back to those celebrities behaving badly. We call them D-bags. Presenting Lord and Lady Douchebag of the Day. Lord and Lady Douchebag Take in session. Over, and I knight hereby knight Taylor Swift. My D bag of the day. Why? I feel like can I just uh, take a moment oh, and, sure, and just sure. acknowledge that it there was a time when she really was a frequent flyer. Her frequent flyer status sort of like well, timed out that's for a hot second. People actually cared about Taylor Swift, and now, sadly, I mean the headlines out of her latest tour are Taylor Swift falls down on stage. It's the best Taylor we can do. Swift wore pants today. I mean it's kind of bottom of the barrel time anyway uh i'm not saying of her overall i'm just saying of this particular tour there's not a lot of media coverage however here's the headline that we need to discuss taylor swift moves to trademark cats dot 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 her cats 
leaving door open to stage a show about them. That's where we're at with Taylor Swift. We've reached peak Taylor Swift because at this point she is now uh, licensing her cats and will be doing a musical with her cats. I struggle with this uh, for a couple of reasons. Because you like cats and you are a total stooge for Taylor Swift? Pretty much the first part. I I support more cat entertainment. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Cat focused, uh, cat forward entertainment. Let's call it that. Catertainment. There you go. Catertainment. It's, it's cat forward. I support that. However, here's I just have a couple things that I don't support. Number one. Yeah. I feel like she's going to have a hard time with this copywriting because. I feel like Andrew Lloyd Webber already did the whole cat thing. That's number one. Number two, her cat's names are Bradley. Olivia Benson and Dr. Meredith Gray. Uh, hi, Shondaland calling. I feel like she can't copyright those. No, she absolutely can't. But um, and I'm going to let you blow your nose there, honey. Get it out. So um, thank you. I am not. A copyright lawyer, so I can't tell you what she's capable of doing. But what I can tell you is that she's already selling um, faces of her cats on T-shirts and earrings for $30 and $20 a pop. Um, her online shop also sells things like pens that are uh, scrawled with images of her animals, as well as $15 sets of patches. Again, their cat's full names, Olivia Benson, Dr. Meredith Gray. Um, yeah, so maybe because it's, oh, because it says Swift. That's because their last name is Swift. That's why. Oh. Meredith and Olivia Swift. That's the branding. Oh. Meredith and Olivia Swift. Well, she has to do that because she can't call them by their actual full given names. <laughs> I mean, like, I literally, like, our dog's name is both my grandmother's name and Madonna's middle name. Madonna can't keep me from... Using your wheezy. Using wheezy. Also, my mom's, or my grandma's name is not wheezy. <laughs> it's Louise. Yeah, but we call her wheezy. Right. wheezy. Anyway, so, yeah. So, she's getting around it by just doing their first names. Right. But can we also talk about the part of the article that re- is the thing that got me? That she's going to do... There's going to be a show about her cats. Again, why I, does that sound ludicrous? I don't know because I support. That's the only part of no, it that you I don't. Support. And tell and Holly, tell us why it's ludicrous. Why do I have to say that? Because no, think about Holly. Holly. You are on my I'll, side. No, here's the thing about Holly. Cat forward. She's remembering the story that you're not going to remember about Taylor Swift and cats. Holly, uh, I am Taylor Swift. Cats. Eats cats? Taylor Swift. Cats. She's an alien who eats cats? Oh, yes. Taylor Swift has been cast in the film version of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats. She's going to be in Cats. Wait, is that real? Yes. She was no, no, that's legit. I know that. that Okay, wait. let Let me just specify what I'm asking about. I know that it's real that there's a cats. There's going to be a cats thing. Yeah. But I didn't realize Taylor Swift was. Yeah, no, that was the thing that we talked about. I swear we've talked about this. Yes. Jennifer Hudson, um, Variety, this actually came from Variety. They said that uh, Grizabella, 
who sings Memory, is going to be Jennifer Hudson. I remembered that. And uh, based on the old possum, yeah, and Taylor Swift. Are you sure? I okay, you guys actually. Yeah, Jennifer Hudson, Taylor Swift, James Corden, Ian McKellen cast in movie version of Cats. That's why this story made headlines because your face, Colleen, right now, regardless of your stuffy nose, thank you, is the face that we all had when we read the headline, being like, "What the heck?" Like, well, first yes. of all, who's bringing Cats back? Second of all, why would all these people do this? Yeah, I oh, actually wait. think money. I actually think. Taylor Swift is a mad genius right now because she's totally using this to help her catapult. <laughs> You're that being was, impossible. No, that was in un, unintentional. I promise you to to tr- like to like bolster this initiative, her cat forward entertainment. Okay, so I think you're applying some intelligence or um, yeah. entrepreneurship. I'm trying to or in- show you my business acumen. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I know. I I believe you have that. I don't believe that Taylor Swift was like, let's start posting stories about how I'm going to put my kitty cats in a play. I think you know. Um, Okay, maybe she did do that. I don't know. I feel like she did because it's just crazy enough that it works, right? My point is it's cheap and it's lazy because we the only reason we're talking about her dumb cats is because she's in cats. Well, because she doesn't shut up about her cats. Like she's been talking about those cats forever. She's burned through the men, so now all she's got left is the cats. Which cat ladies unite. I, I mean I just feel like I have to I think that's a fine turn of events for Taylor Swift. I mean, yes. we're not really buying her relationship with her fake boyfriend, but are I we? Do so buy now we're her buying relationship with, with her, her cats. fake cats. Yeah, one hundred percent. I to- I'm on board. Now, if you are on board with cats and cat forward entertainment, may I please draw your attention to mytalk1071.com, yeah. where you can currently link to buy your tickets to Cat Video Festival, so you can see some real cat forward entertainment that does not, to my knowledge, star. Oh God, I want to get. You, Taylor like a, Swift. Have you taken any antihistamines yes. today? Okay. I'm sorry, but it's making my nose water now. I, t- I wish my nose would water. <laughs> <sighs> it's like, do you ever see a Visine commercial? And then your eyes, then your eyes to start to water? Yeah, that's me. Yeah, and I try to clear my ears. This is a mess, you guys. This okay, is well, not a good moment. I'll tell people about the Cat Video Fest. You just do some deep breathing. Hey, Cat uh, Video Fest tickets. Now, here's the cool thing. Did you already say August 1st? So if you buy your tickets by August 1st, they're 10 bucks a piece. And Holly, do you know how much the price is going to go up or just that we know the price is going to go up? We know the price is going to go up. So you're definitely going to want to get your tickets by August 1st, which, by the way, is next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. Yeah, no. Or no, so, wait, is there 31 days in July? I lie. Maybe uh, it's... The first is Wednesday. Yeah, okay, there are 31 days. So starting Thanks. the 1st of August, prices are going to go up. Otherwise, right now, they're $10. I know a bunch of people have already gotten their tickets, but if you've put that off, go ahead and do it now. And it's going to be cat-packed. That is true. With entertainment. Is that a, is that a, fra- a turn of phrase that I was not aware of? That's cat-tainment. Cat That's Uh All right, now, when we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, yeah, it's not helping. Well. I yeah. can't. I just, it's over for me. Okay. Uh, we're gonna, we have to get back to Gwyneth Paltrow in this... Uh, we really do. This very lengthy... Uh, profile that was written in the New York Times Um, because basically we've learned about what life looks like in Gwyneth Paltrow's house. Oh yeah. 
you're going to go deep inside Gwyneth Paltrow's home. Thank you. When we return. All right. When we come back on my talk 107. All right. So uh, we have gotten a glimpse into the world of Gwyneth Paltrow, into her home on the Colleen and Bradley show on my talk 1071 streaming live at my talk 1071.com everything entertainment everything pollen allergies <laughs> but we have gotten a glimpse inside Gwyneth Paltrow's life from a, a profile in New York Times and Bradley why don't you just lay on us all the nauseating details so you know the fascinating thing about this piece is that you get to look inside like what made Goop, how Goop became what it is. And then you also get this side of Gwyneth Paltrow that is just eye-opening. And it's it's very um, intoxicating. So, And I say that as somebody who regularly rolls his eyes at Gwyneth Paltrow. So the the journalist, the, the interviewer, the woman who uh, went inside Gwyneth Paltrow's home to interview her on a number of occasions... Well, they met all over the place. But the evening that she goes to her house, you know, she goes to Gwyneth Paltrow's house and sort of lays out. And you should really just read it because her words far better than anything I'm going to tell you. Just the way she writes is delightful. Um, But it's essentially, you know, she goes into Gwyneth's kitchen, which is perfectly well appointed. Gwyneth begins making a meal. uh, One of the meals, by the way, that ends up in a book that she wrote after she left Chris Martin because she needed something to just sort of do. Um, But the book is all about, you know, um, it's hilarious because it's sort of like Rachel Ray, but goop Rachel Ray, Uh which means like, you know, um, super quick meals, but with sustainable ingredients. Right. You know, so but she's saying things like this to the, the author of this piece, like. You know, I really wanted to make recipes that people could, you know, do in, you know, a very small amount of time. So she's making these these beautiful clams. Okay. She's making a clams dish, right? What? Yeah, that's great. Sounds great. She's making clams and then some roasted um, toast, some roasty toasties, like some beautiful grilled bread to go along with the clams. Clams Casino. Anyway, so she's making this dish and the woman is like, yeah, she's not even wearing an apron. She's not getting any food on her. Now, look, if I were cooking, I would be covered head to toe and stuff. My apron is disgusting. It's foul. It's nasty. But she just sort of tells you this narrative about, you know, Gwyneth, it's all too good to be true. Gwyneth Paltrow is making this beautiful meal. At that point, Apple or actually it's first Moses comes in. Um, and introduces himself to, you know, the reporter and says, hi, I am Moses. It is nice to meet you. And is just a delightful, lovely child, beautiful, you know, caring, gorgeous human being. Right. Right. Then her daughter comes in, Apple. And later on, you learn that she hears this music and she goes, oh, the reporter hears music and is like, oh, I've never heard that before. Who is that? That was Apple playing the guitar with her fingers she likes the calluses and Gwyneth Paltrow says you know oh um that sounds so lovely apple I mean you can just I want to puke right now but it's so Gwyneth Paltrow now here's the thing that I found completely fascinating about this look inside the life day-to-day of Gwyneth Paltrow all of a sudden Chris Martin comes in and at that point in the story and Gwen, uh, Chris Martin comes in and he tells the reporter like he sees her uh, tape recorder and he's like, you know, I think you're probably a very nice person, but I just want you to understand. Please don't include me in any of this. Blah, blah, blah. She's like, fine, whatever. 
So, so she like, includes him in so, it. But, but whatever. I think, but, but she didn't say any <laughs> right, of the right, things right. he said, right? So I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, when did she do this interview? She was already, he was, this is, we're going all the way back to Chris Martin. Well, no, later on, a few moments later, uh, Brad Falchuk comes in, who is her cur- current paramour. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Chris Martin still hanging out, which is the creepiest weird thing. Which is the narrative she's been trying to push on us forever. Yeah, so, but, but I, all, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, wow. She really is this bizarre. But then you have that moment where you're like, no, wait a minute. She knows a reporter's coming over. She knows the reporter is doing a piece on her. Yeah. She, of course, is going to be manipulating the situation, doing, saying, feeling all of the things that she wants to represent, which is sort of part and parcel of Gwyneth Paltrow and this whole thing about Goop. And the thing that's so maddening about it is that it's not genuine right it's it's an idea it's a notion which is totally awesome for the people who want to buy it but for those of us who aren't buying it it's like oh my god could she have made and and it goes on i mean i could tell you about uh you know i could continue to go on in detail that would just continue to make the eyes roll back in your head what you know the thing about that is it's like she proves it's like an art piece of art seriously it's like her behavior in the interview proves all of the things that her mouth is saying in the interview, because essentially what you've just told me is, and I know that there's more and I know what some of the more is every single trope about Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, you know, that she is a wonderful cook, that she's perfect in every way. She doesn't make messes, but she just kind of of, seems naturally remarkable. Yeah. Her kids are polite and perfect. And, oh, and she has this lovely relationship with her ex-husband who lived in the pool house for some time and her new boyfriend uh, and now fiance, Brad Falchuk, and they all just sort of hang around in the kitchen and and laugh and laugh. After dinner, you know, they're going to retire to the living room to chat. And uh, she uh, and the reporter knows that Gwyneth Paltrow, the thing about Gwyneth Paltrow is that she smokes allegedly like once a month or like once a week or some dumb thing like that. One cigarette a month. Um, And really, truly, Gwyneth says it's just a few times a year. So she this reporter hasn't smoked in like 10 years, but she brings a pack of cigarettes. And of course, Gwyneth Paltrow goes to get her Nat Sherman's, which trust me, because I used to smoke them in college are a fancy kind of cigarette that you got to like special order. If you're in New York, you just go buy them. But so, of course, she's got the fancy cigarette box that she goes out, takes out a cigarette they ask Brad Falchuk if, you know, he would mind if they have a cigarette. And he, of course, demures. And then they, you know, sit on the floor in front of the fireplace and blow smoke up the chimney as they oh, talk they're about the smoke up something. <laughs> and I was like, she has turned smoking a dumb cigarette. Like I have smoke packs of cigarettes. I had tar stains on my ceiling from smoking ciggies in college. Like, of course, hers is like she's doing the tea ceremony. You know, like it's so like manipulated and so fat. Like Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't just smoke a cigarette. Right. Right. She curates a cigarette smoking experience. Right. 
And again, like this is what's so maddening about this is she literally has choreographed her entire life during an interview into like a a, a short movie. Yeah. For for the purposes of showing It's brilliant. It is kind of Maddening. but also yes. And I you know I will say the the woman who uh, wrote the piece again I think she's a great writer and but like there's a little bit of she she kind of is sort falls of falls for it. She, well, she falls for it. I think she's uh, to a certain extent aware of that, but like it that's what's so frustrating is like everybody wants that sort of like Instagrammed life because right. that's what I think of. Like she's, you know, she put a filter on it and it looks real pretty right. for that moment. But like, you can't tell me that her kids at some point aren't running around. And if they're not, why do I want to watch any? Well, I guess maybe that's why again, because this is like, she's a mad genius. She knows that people want to buy this notion that that life is possible, right. even if it is absolutely not possible. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is like, that her, in her interview, she says the words, because you told us in the last hour, she essentially says people want Hollywood. They want their idea of what Hollywood looks like. Yeah, they don't or want celebrities, the they want celebrities the way they want celebrities. Yeah. They don't want the real truth. They want their the idea. presentation yeah. of their idea of the truth. And and then she like makes money off li- that. And she lived that out for that whatever that period of time was and look this whole piece goes into far greater detail about the whole fake science the fact that she was going to do well she had a relationship with with Anna Wintour and Condé Nast and did they did these special publications which they ended up not continuing because Condé Nast was like yeah you need a fact checker you can't just say things you have to have somebody actually do facts and she was like, yeah, no, I don't want any part of that. So we're going to do our own thing. So there's a whole nother side to this entire piece that we could have spent a, a lot of time on talking about all that fake science and fake. Um, well, there's always tomorrow. Goopy stuff. But yeah, trust me, go read it. It's in the New York Times. It's on the website. You don't need to pay for nothing. Now, when we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, we've got something exciting for the kids in the audience. Colleen and Bradley's summer camp. Yay! Stay tuned after this. My Talk 1071. Everything. Oh, no. It wasn't the airplanes. It was beauty killed the beast. Entertainment.